When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com How you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. And today we are brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Bagels and Company. We're going to tell you a little bit more about them later, but we are live here at Reading Terminal Market. This is honestly, it's a dream show for me because we are surrounded <laughs> by food. We are surrounded by the great people of the city of Philadelphia. And I am surrounded by two great friends, not only Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor, but Broad Street Hockey's own Kelly Hinkle as well. How are we today? We are great. Great we are. Charlie, great. how are you this afternoon? How could we not be doing great? We're at, as you said, like legitimately one of the best food places maybe in the On entire Earth? country. Oh, okay, The yeah. Earth. Okay, I mean, yeah. we, we can go with the, the Earth. Earth. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to enough places outside of the United States to want to say the Earth. But I'm confident. in terms of this country, definitely one of the yeah. best. It's the uh, there's nothing outside of the Northeast anyway. I mean, can we like does Fair any enough. other place on the planet really matter other than like the 95 corridor? <laughs> uh, so I got to tell you, watching uh, right now, we we've joked that the 10 game losing streak. You know, everyone is everyone's excited about what's happening with the Flyers. They appear ahead of schedule. I got to tell you, watching that Eagles game last night, this city is it's weary. It's in need of a hero. The 10 game point streak definitely, or the 10 game losing streak definitely begins tonight, right? Like, this is what always happens. Yeah, everybody is looking for someone, another this, team yeah. to jump on the, jump the, on the Sixers, bandwagon. They were playing real well. Streak ends last night as well. The yeah. Eagles lose three in a row. This is, this is what always happens. This will be another great test. Everyone will look towards the Flyers, and as we always say, whenever that happens, we then look like the dummies <laughs> because then they get blown out. <laughs> and they seven play nothing. terribly, yeah. yeah. This is a great test for them tonight because one, it's against it's against Chris's Devils, uh, and it's coming on the heels of some bad stuff going on in the city right now in terms of our sports teams. How are we feeling? How are we feeling heading into the holiday holidays? This is often the time of year where things start to go awry for this team. So I feel like, listen, things are turning. I know no one wants to admit it yet. Things are turning around for this franchise. Getting Mitch Koch was the start, and it's just going to continue to snowball into just everything being good and wonderful and great in Flyers land. And this <laughs> is the moment that the city's going to get back on board with the Flyers. They need something. The Eagles are letting us down, so it's Flyers time. It's happening. We shall see. It, it, look, the, the Devils are an interesting right. opponent. Obviously, they're one of the few teams they've lost to over the last few weeks. They had that that tight loss. Um, I think it was, what, the 30th of November was right before the change of the calendar. Yeah. The Devils are a good team. I know the Flyers are ahead of them in the, in the divisional standings for now, but I think a lot of that was due to the fact that they had quite a few very important guys out for a while. Mm. Jack Hughes is back. Nico Heischer is back. I know Dougie Hamilton so yeah, still, still hurt. No Douglas. He's not going to be coming back anytime uh -huh. soon, but the Devils on paper 
are a better team than the Flyers. I still believe the Devils are, I think there are three teams in the division that I am confident are better than the Flyers, the Rangers, the Hurricanes, and the Devils. Now, if the Flyers were to go out tonight and blow out the Devils, maybe I would start to reevaluate that stance. But right now, I look at this as a game where they're going on the road against a team that on paper is more talented than them by a not a significant margin. So this is another chance for one of those statement games, kind of like how they went into Denver and yes. really did very well against a legitimate Stanley Cup contender in the Colorado Avalanche. There's something different um, from beating the Devils at their home versus like winning one nothing against the Detroit Red Wings. This is a bigger game, so we'll see how they do. And before we go any further, I'd mentioned at the top that the show today presented, and all of the shows today here at Reading Terminal Market, presented by Bagels and Company, Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philadelphia. And I got to tell you, like, if you're looking for something a little different this holiday season, like, oh, you know, you always have the charcuterie board, different things you put out. Maybe you're hosting a holiday brunch. It's a lot of people may. I'm doing a an festivist party. I'm doing uh, maybe a festivist party. I'm doing uh, <laughs> all my friends over open house house and we're going to hit up bagels and companies you see something like this brooklyn style bagels these things are gigantic they have absolutely amazing selection some of the best uh bagel selection in the city of philadelphia plenty of locations near you and what goes with a great bagel selection huge selection of cream cheeses as well something for everybody and like, how do you not love this <laughs> it's extremely festive i brought it this over so as a visual aid to uh to set up and try to is that a real bagel or is it just a prop no this is <laughs> oh, real, <it's> real baby. <laughs> and it was absolutely delicious <laughs> this is dry not even warm and i'm thoroughly enjoying it Check out Bagels & Co. Uh, someone else needs to talk because I just took a bite of a bagel. Bill, that really, was extremely impressive. Didn't I'm really think of the repercussions of a bagel on air. I was not expecting that. I they love... also have great coffee, so wash it down with that. There you go. I was not expecting that. That threw me for a loop, but it you know beautiful. what? It was perfect. As with Fantastic all of our other sponsors, um, I have eaten a bagel at Bagels & Co. Can confirm delicious bagel. Quite good. I'm yes. a huge bagel person. Their bagels are fantastic. Truly fantastic. I, cannot, I cannot, say, cannot say I have ever had one of the uh, colored ones, but I'm going to have to give it a go. You want a bite? Not really. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> I'll get my own, Bill. Thank All you right. very much. Now, speaking of your own, let's talk about some of your own work right oh. now, Charlie. Uh, see, that's that's a segue. It, was I like segue. it wasn't that good. You're, it you're, was on, your, no, you're on your game today. <laughs> I mean, it's, we're it's on location. Bagels. You better be on your game. It's the Bagels & Co. Coffee. Let's get to the fabric article we referenced yesterday we said we would get to it more today right we still have like 20 mailbag questions to answer but i want to start with the farabee article and the idea that we're all kind of happy with the direction i think i am i think i can speak for everyone at this table things are going well in a lot of uh it's great. To, I love having remote shows where people just show up. We can just wave and say <laughs> hello. Right. And I totally lose my train of thought. <laughs> the show just gets derailed. The direction of the team. Yeah, the direction of the team seems to be ahead of schedule. We're pretty happy with a lot of the things we're seeing out of them. Something we'd like to, not even disappointed in, something we'd like to just see more of is Joel Farabee on the ice for this team. Uh, we heard Tortorella, I believe, last week say, you know, I'm sure he wants more ice time, but he kind of just shuts up and plays his role and does what I ask him to do. Well, if that's the case, how do you not reward him with more ice time? What is going on with Joel Farrow? It's a fascinating question. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this article, why I've been working on it for about a week. Because if you look at his performance, look, everybody... Every forward plays a five-on-five. Five. They have to. If they're not playing a five-on-five, five, they're not going to play. So that tends to be the situation where you can most accurately compare and contrast the actual performance of players because some guys get time on different power play units. Some guys get more ice time, period. But at five-on-five, five, you can legitimately do a fair comparison player to player, at least as fair as you can because there are you know usage and matchups and whatnot. But you can generally do a pretty fair comparison. Joel Farabee at five-on-five five this year as a scorer has been truly fantastic he's always been a good five on five score this year though he's been top of the league good we're talking about a guy who 23rd in 
to, to explain the stat, points per 60, it's basically just points, and then you essentially normalize it for ice time so that everyone, like, one guy might score two points in 60 minutes, and one guy might score one point in 10 minutes. The guy who scored one point in 10 minutes, probably a more efficient a score. A more efficient. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, it's just a way to measure efficiency. In terms of five-on-five five points per 60, Joel Farabee ranks 23rd among all NHL forwards. Top 25 in the league in scoring per 60. Bring it down even further. He's 7th in the league in 5-on-5 goals scored per 60. And then if you take out secondary assists and you're only looking at primary points, which at 5-on-5, I would say primary points, probably the best way to evaluate actual offense creation from a scoring standpoint because... Look, we've all watched hockey. Secondary assists, especially at five on five, can be pretty random. It could just be some dude like toss the puck out of the defensive zone uh-huh. off the glass. Especially with this team's strategy. Exactly. Like we just saw a video of them like, hey, let's practice lofting the puck yeah. out of the zone and hope it lands. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I tend to like five like five on five primary points for sixty as a real way to determine who's scoring the most. Barabee's fifth in the entire NHL among forwards in primary points per sixty. That's pretty good. So as a scorer at five on five, he's legitimately been one of the best scoring forwards in hockey, not just on the Flyers, in terms of the NHL as a whole. However, he still only ranks eighth in time on ice, total time on ice on the team. He's right around the same level as Bobby Brink. And like, look, we're all happy with Bobby Brink. Bobby Brink is still a rookie trying to find his way. One would think Joel Farry would getting be getting significantly more ice time than Bobby Brink. They are basically getting almost exactly the same right around 15 minutes. It's interesting because you would think that Joel Farabee, who is clearly taking, in my mind, clearly taking a step forward in terms of his quality of play, would be getting leaned on more by John Zwitterella. If anything, he's getting leaned on less. He's actually, his overall ice time is around two minutes less than it was last season. So it's an interesting story because you would expect that they'd be leaning more on Farabee the same way they're leaning more on guys like Travis Konechny. They're not. They're still keeping Farabee's ice time down, which makes it an interesting guy to, to dive into, an interesting topic to dive into. And this is one of the things that keeps me from being all the way in on John Tortorella. He's getting a lot of praise right now, and deservedly so. The team's performing way better than we thought they would. He seems to be proving to be capable of coaching a team that's in a rebuild. Um, he seems to be fostering the play of a lot of the younger players, which is great. But he still has this weird thing where he has guys that he likes and guys that he doesn't. And if you're one of the guys that he doesn't like, there never seems to be a path out of it. And it's like you just mentioned Konechny. He's one of those guys where it's like, okay, he does a lot of stuff that pisses you off, but he scores a lot of goals, so you let him go with that. Okay, well, so does Joel Farabee. So what's the deal with not playing him like you don't like his face like he said something mean to you one time like you're holding last year against him so like doesn't make any sense and it's like if Tortorella is going to continue to do this kind of like I don't like this guy so he's out thing like that for me is a problem that worries me a lot with him as a coach going forward I like I go back to last year and we all kind of seem to have given Farabee a pass because we knew like I thought going in like, okay, he's got this surgery that only a couple of other guys have got before, and we saw how, like, Jack Eichel got stronger through the year. Uh, Tyler Johnson eventually came back from it. Obviously, like, he's just old now, but, right. like, Farabee was not producing much at all last year. I go back to the final 15 games, though. Six goals, six assists, 11 of the 12 points at even strength, and he's playing over 18 minutes a game. It seems like that should have been something that the coach could have looked at and kind of built on. Now we know at the end of the season, like Tortorella was up in the, like, he wasn't even really coaching the that team. That is true. I didn't, and I forgot I, about I that. I have said, like, a lot of those late season games last year, yeah, good for you. You broke out. Like, you started to get stronger. Also, those were fake games. Yeah. Like, so right, maybe the coach is looking at it the same way. But to end the season strong and then to come into this year and kind of pick up where you left off, I realized he had long stretches last year where he was horrible. Like, yeah, he's coming back from disc replacement surgery in his neck. I, I wasn't expecting him to be very good. It seems as if this punishment has, not even whatever, this perception that John Tortorella has of Joel Farabee has extended far beyond. Like, we remember last season. He was not enamored with Travis Konechny to start. But eventually he was just like, this dude rules. I'm going to put him yeah. on the penalty kill. We're going to use him in all these different ways. 
I'm not saying Farabee is as dynamic as TK, but maybe it's just my perception of him. I think he's a more complete guy. Like, maybe not the offensive ceiling, but if I'm going to choose one of them to put on the penalty kill, it would have been Farabee ahead of TK before we see what kind of weapon TK has become. Right. But, like, what is there any one specific thing you can point to to be like, this is why he's playing 15 minutes a game? Yeah, not really. I, I think you mentioned the idea of punishment, and I don't think it's punishment because I don't. I don't. That think, wasn't. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't. Yeah. The, I don't think he dislikes Joel Farabee. I don't think this is some sort of spite thing. I don't think he views him as skeptically as he does, say, Morgan Frost. I don't think those two are on the same level. I do think, <laughs> though, and you spoke to this, Kelly, and you're absolutely right. John Tortorella is prone to personal biases that is probably in all honesty it's probably his biggest flaw as head coach and that's not something that is new that's been throughout his entire career honestly most coaches have this flaw i think it's just a little bit more pronounced with tortorella because everything is more pronounced with john tortorella it's basically like his entire personality is everything turned up to 12 yeah. <laughs> like that's just who he is so i think that's kind of why this is more obvious because he just makes it more obvious because he's just a more obvious person all around my guess is that this probably does stem a little bit from last year in that he wasn't that impressed with joel Faraby last year other guys impressed him more last year and therefore those are guys that he will turn to more like the big reason why his lifetime is down this year it's not really because he's not getting five on five time he's guy that he's ranked he's ranked fourth on the forward core in terms of time on ice at five on five he's behind Couturier, of course, Konechny makes sense, and I believe also Tyson Forrester is ahead of him as he well. He plays with those two, he's so those it makes two sense. Guys, so yeah. it makes sense. So it's not like he's not getting time at five on five. Now, maybe I want to give him a little bit more, but it's not like he's not getting time. The reason is is that he hasn't been on the power play for quite a while. Granted, he was on the power play last game. They did put him on power play, too, so that's a positive a sign, start. one would yeah. think. He's also been completely knocked off the penalty kill. Now, on one hand, I get it. They obviously got back a lot of guys on the penalty kill this year. They got back Sean Gatturi. They got back Cam Atkinson. They signed um, Ryan Paling and Gardner Hathaway. That's four guys on the penalty kill now that just pushed him out. So I get it to a degree. However, I do think that if Joel Farabee is this good at five on five, maybe the fact that he's not on the penalty kill in particular gives you more opportunities to maybe double shift him at five on five. Maybe he point. should be closer yeah. to Katuri and Konechny because Katuri and Konechny do play both penalty kill and power play. So they're going to need some extra time to rest. Maybe those are times where you can, you know, push Farabee in to give him a shift, you know, with Katuri. Let Konechny take a little, you know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. find ways to get him more minutes. And the two guys that I look at the most in this regard are two guys who, and they're not guys that I hate, but guys who I think are maybe getting a little bit too much ice time, Cam Atkinson and Scott Lawton. Cam yeah. Atkinson right now ranks third on the four core in ice time, 17 minutes, 22 seconds. Scott Lawton fifth on the four core in ice time, 15 minutes, 41 seconds. To me, and I know both of those guys are on both the power play and the penalty kill. I get it. But to me, Joel Farabee has significantly outplayed both of them, especially recently, because yeah. Atkinson's been struggling to score. Scott Lawton's just been struggling, period. Yeah, he looks so super bad. to me, Joel Farabee should be taking minutes from them. And I don't necessarily see either of those guys' minutes going down dramatically, in part because I think John Tortorella is more positively predisposed towards both of them. And that's where we get back into the bias part. And that's like. And that's where the negative of Tortorella comes in. He just has his guys. Mm-hmm. Like Cam Atkinson can do no wrong. Scott Lawton has been not good this season. Yes. Okay. I love like Scott Lawton. Yeah. He is terrible. Yeah. I don't know. The last, the last few weeks, he's been legitimately He's poor. been not yeah. very good yeah. this year. Joel Farabee has been, and yet we have what we have. It's, well, my perception of these guys and the reality just don't match up. Yeah. And because John Tortorella has... As much power as any coach in the league, yeah. it's not going to change anytime soon. Now, we did see Farabee on the power play. Maybe he's starting to win him over. Also, the power play is so big. Like, so, like, I don't know, put the forwards at defense and the defense. <laughs> can't get worse. Throw everyone into yeah. a hat. Like, yeah. Dress one yeah. of your backup goalies one. I don't know. Like, What's it going to get worse? Uh, so I- I'm just... 
I'm very interested to see where this goes from here. Obviously, there's still, what, 52 games left. So by the end of the year, we can remember, hey, remember those first 30 when Farabee wasn't playing? And then all of a sudden, he becomes this year's TK, and he's one of the favorites. Here's hope. Yeah. Who knows? Could be. Uh, listen, if you're looking to see this team up close, they're, uh, they're going away for a little while. Tonight, of course, they are in New Jersey. If you're wondering, like, why are we on? Well, we... We didn't want to miss the Reading Terminal show. There will be a post game tonight. There will. They're up in New Jersey. Then they are home on Thursday against Nashville. And they're not home again until January. So if you want to see this team, you want to do it now. And the best way to do it, it's game time, baby. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive deals on Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. I've said multiple times now, but Christmas coming, all the holidays, you want to get someone a good gift. If you're like me, like you have all the stuff. But I, I buy myself stuff constantly. Don't need stuff. <laughs> no stuff experiences are the way to go the best experiences live events man so snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code phly for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account redeem code phly for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed uh just to put a bow on this faraby thing do we have like do we have confidence in this coach to change course? We, like I said, we we saw it happen with TK. There's 52 games remaining. Do you see it happening? I mean, and could that adversely, you know, he's not he's not going to be here forever. He is signed, but do you see maybe Faraby? Uh, I've already said like Morgan Frost could save every dog in the shelters of Philadelphia, and John Tortorella is going to be like, yeah, I don't care. Like, could Farabee turn into one of those guys? It's not that level, right? No. I don't That's think it's, what worries me. I don't think it's that level. I do think that at some point Joel Farabee is going to push for more ice time. Now, hey, maybe this will be a situation like Couturier was years ago. You brought this up where, you know, Farabee at the start of next season, if he has a really strong year all the way through, at the start of the next season goes into Tortorella's office and training camp and says basically, I want more ice time. Give me more responsibility. That strikes me as the kind of thing that John Tortorella would absolutely love. You know, the, the confidence, that sort of assertiveness. Is it possible to change the way, a, a, the way John Tortorella views a player? Yes, because we've seen it with Travis Sanheim. However, I do wonder how much of that was driven by the fact yeah, that he had he no had other to. choice. Yeah. That yeah. basically Danny Breer had a conversation with John Tortorella, I assume, after he was unable to trade him to St. Louis and said, guy's got a no trade clause. He's got a contract that I can't move. You better figure out how to work with this guy or else like you're going to be miserable for the next seven, eight years. So he doesn't necessarily have that same incentive to change with Joel Farabee. However, the way Joel Farabee plays, you would think, like, I watch the way Morgan Frost plays. I can understand why someone who views hockey the way John Tortorella views hockey would not love his style of play. I don't love it. I get it. <laughs> Joel Farabee is a pretty high-energy guy. He's got good hockey IQ. He can score. He actually is willing to fight, which is wild because he's not good at it. No, but he's dropped no, the gloves quite a few times it. in his NHL <laughs> career. He strikes me as the kind of guy that John Tortorella, number one, should like. Number two, if he doesn't already like, could grow to like more. Obviously, we'll see. I don't think it's a lost cause, but I do think that right now, Joel Farabee is not on the top of his favorites list, especially in comparison to you know guys like Atkinson, guys like... Scott Lawton, even guys like Tyson Forrester, who he seems to absolutely love. Joel Farabee does seem to be a couple below those guys, and I'd like for that to change because I think Joel Farabee deserves to be viewed in higher esteem by his head coach. Do you think what it's going to take is the team losing? Like, is that what it's going to take? Like, if they go on a, a bunch of shitty runs here for a little bit, could that be the thing that gets forced to change Tortorella things up? to be like, I got to change some stuff. Maybe this guy that's in you know leading the league in several categories and scoring maybe i give him a little bit more ice time or 
Like, it's not no. smart for Atkinson and Lawton to be playing as much as they are. No. But, but also they're on an eight-game yeah, point streak winning. or whatever yeah, right. it is. It's right. a fair like, point. And, and in fairness, Lawton has been dropped to the fourth line. So they have yeah. – Lawton has been a guy who they've clearly noticed is struggling. It's just that he's gotten a lot of ice time early in the year, so maybe they're the average is sort of yeah, in yeah. there. Atkinson, to me, is the big one because they are very clear. And, like, look, Cam Atkinson should be on the penalty kill. He's a legitimately good penalty killer. Yeah. And the penalty kill is one of the best in the league. So don't mess with that. I get it. The power play, though, like, how long can you continue to have a guy who hasn't scored in a month on the power play? I don't know. I like, mean, I get it. Because, like, streaky goal scorers, you got to let them play through it, all that shit. Like, I get it. But also, like, at some point, like you said, there has to be something that gives. I, like, if you just look at numbers, you would go, okay, yeah, like, he's a guy who's had a lot of offensive success in this league. But just looking at the way Cam Atkinson scores, he scores on breakaways. Yeah. And... <laughs> That doesn't happen a ton on the power play. Put him on the penalty kill. There's typically two <laughs> defensemen back. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just hopefully they get this sorted out. I just want to see more of Joel Farabee because it's just it's an in-house solution to this. While they're scoring a little bit more, they have played two games in the last couple of weeks that have ended one nothing. Yeah, like that's fair. I, I don't know. Not gonna maybe get, maybe get a little bit more offense yeah. out of a guy who's giving it to you. Uh, I just mentioned how I, you know, we have the post game tonight, but there was absolutely no way we were going to miss the Reading Terminal show, and it's it's for reasons like this. <laughs> I, just before the show started, just like someone hands me a uh, drop the cannoli. Yeah, here. just drop. Yep. Yeah, here, will Do you, you want a cannoli? Will you eat this on the air? <laughs> Do I want a cannoli? You're damn what? right, I will. <laughs> of course I will. He just took a big bite of a bagel in the middle of an ad read. Terminy's <laughs> right here in the Reading Terminal market. Oh my God. The best cannoli. I the show's over. I'm gonna go get nine more. Yeah, we got go. really good. Um, no, I think we have to do like 35 more minutes. <laughs> so I'm just gonna talk with my mouth full because this is very professional. That was very good. Mm-hmm. Very, very good cannoli. So one Big thing I, I do want to go into while you're chewing, I will take the uh, the lead of talking at the moment. We discussed the idea of going a little bit deeper when I do these feature stories. Going a little bit deeper hmm. into the things that didn't quite make the article because. Just a little, you know, background in terms of when I'm doing these features. I do long interviews with the players, um, with coaches, with front office people, and not everything that I talk to them about gets to fit into the interview or into the article. My articles, my articles, as our readers know, they're long enough. I don't need to make them four thousand words. They're already pretty long. So there I was are. I going to say they're already ten thousand. Exactly, <laughs> but. There are things that are interesting that just don't make it in. I keep it in a file in case I can use it, you know, for an article three months down the road. But what we thought is, you know, maybe toss those into the uh, into the podcast so that we can we can go into that. One thing that Joel Farabee did say that didn't really fit the the theme of the story I ultimately ended up writing, but I thought was interesting was this concept of the importance of the veterans on this team. Like we talk about how this is a young team. We talk about how they have a lot of guys that are between that like. 21 to 25 age range. Even Travis Konechny, I believe, is still 26. So they have a lot of guys in their young primes. Mm -hmm. They have a few veterans. And I think one thing that has been really important to the success of this team so far has been the impact of those veterans, not in the sense of you know, they are the Chris Prong or I'm going to scream at you in the locker room type captain. I'm going to try to fight Claude Giroux. (laughs) My arm hurts. (laughs) But I do think that guys like Sean Couturier, guys like Cam Atkinson, guys like, um, like even like Mark Stahl are having an impact in terms of pushing the young players in the right direction at key moments. There was, there was a conversation that Atkinson, I used this to lead off the story that Atkinson had with Joel Farabee. It was after the second period of the game against um, the Capitals and basically Farabee was clearly frustrated he had, he didn't feel like he was playing that well they're sitting in the locker room and Cam Atkinson goes up to him and just says you know what I'm struggling too I'm 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 failing to, to, to fill up the net we just got to control what we can control they're on a line together they go out there Joel Farabee scores the game tying goal the rest of the night that line was the best line on the ice I had another quote from Sean Gatturi or not for Sean Gatturi from Farabee about Sean Gatturi that was interesting because one thing that Farabee talked about when I interviewed him was this idea that he was getting too down about individual games in his early days of his career that he said there would be games where we won and I would feel like crap because I felt like I didn't play well and I didn't do enough to help us win. And basically what he said is that he had conversations with Sean Gatturi. He said, it's something I talked with Coots about, actually, that 
thinking about not in the next 10, 20 games, but think about in the next three games, what do you want to see? And he said, I've really tried to slow the game down in that way, just focusing on, all right, we've got the stretch of games. What do I expect for myself? And he said, this was the, the key quote. I think that's why the older guys in this locker room have been so good. We have a bunch of guys that just lead the right way and say the right things. It's really helped me out a lot. And I think it speaks to the help, not just on the ice, but off the ice, that guys like Aturier and Atkinson and Stahl are having on the younger players. Just like we've talked about for years that the Flyers let things snowball, that when one goal would turn into four. I think right now the mix they have it's not just the fact they have a mix of young guys and old guys, but it's that the old guys are the right types of older guys yeah. and that they just seem like they have a sixth sense to know when some of these younger guys need a little bit of a pick-me-up. And I think it's been an underrated thing that's helped cause this surprisingly good start. I can see how, like, 82 games can feel. Like, when you're in it, it's like, well, it's 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 one game 82 times and you're so focused on that one game. And then it's like, well, look at it in a three-game chunk. Like, were you good? Were you good for eight of the nine periods? Well, then relax, man. Like, yeah. it's, I think it's probably so hard for especially young guys to, who've been awesome their whole lives, to go, yo, the NHL's hard. Yeah. <laughs> the other, they're going to beat you sometimes. Yeah, like, you're going to lose shifts. You're going to lose games. You're going to lose periods. Try to win more than you lose. Yep. Like, that's what it comes down to. And having some vets who've been through those ups and downs, and like we've said, you mentioned Atkinson, Stahl, guys who've dealt with John Tortorella yeah. before, right. specifically knowing what he's looking yep. for. Yep. Like it's not even about you. It's not even about you messing up. It's then about your next shift. Yep. Did you let? Did you let it happen again? Did you learn? Like. We didn't hear anything from Farabee when he played 56 seconds. <laughs> and John Tortorella said, he knows. Yeah. And I bet he does. And, we, you know, it's, so it's uh, – I can see how that could be positive, especially for this team with this mix. So many young guys and so many guys who have not had the team success. Like, this is a team full of dudes who've been on a bad Flyers team most of their career yeah. or are young and are just now getting their first yeah. shot. But not even that. It's just, you know, look at the older guys that got traded in, in the offseason. You have, you know, you have Ivan Provorov, who was just a malcontent who didn't want to be here. He was, not, he was not going to be spending his time, you know, going around giving pointers because his only pointer honestly might have been, don't listen to the coaches, they're idiots, because he didn't <laughs> like what he was being told to it's do. Helpful. So you had, you had one guy who was clearly a veteran. He was a guy who wore an A before John Tortorella got here. He was viewed as a leader on the team because he was a top-tier player getting a ton of minutes. He wasn't really helping in that regard. Kevin Hayes was openly feuding with the coach. So, like, was he going to play that role? Probably, probably not. not. He yeah. was probably going to be their buddy yeah. when they go out drinking. And maybe he would listen to someone like Joel Farrier and be like, yeah, that's right. Tortorella's an asshole. Right. But he wasn't going to be playing the role that Sean Couturier is playing this year. Even someone like James Van Riemsdyk, who I think was, in general, a positive influence on that room. A lot of players talked about how he made a he he showed a good example, especially in the weight room, about how the kind of work you have to put in just to be in shape and whatnot. But Think back to the trade deadline. James Van Riemsdyk was openly ticked off that they didn't trade him at the trade yeah. deadline. And maybe that's not exactly the kind of vibe you want in the room if you're trying to develop young players. Yeah. A guy who openly is like, yeah, I'm bummed that I couldn't chase down a cup. Like, yeah, you might think that, but I don't get the sense that like, let me put it this way. I do not get the sense, as much as, Bill, you talk about, like, they need to trade Cam Atkinson. I do not get the sense that Cam Atkinson is counting down the days of the trade deadline for him to get moved to a team where he can actually compete with. He's very much all in on this team, and that's important. I do not expect, nor do I really think it's necessary to trade Cam Atkinson before the offseason. I think eventually it's necessary because this is they have nothing but wingers. Like if yeah. Cam Atkinson yeah. was a center, it'd be like, okay, cool. We have a competent center. We can put two young guys on his flanks. But <laughs> they need room, especially at right wing. It's going to happen eventually. But right now, I, I don't think it's like the most important thing in the world. Yeah, I just think that these older guys, in comparison to some of the older guys, they, they moved out. Like, Tony D'Angelo was bought out, basically was traded. He's another guy who, I wouldn't quite say he was a malcontent, but he's a guy who would go back and forth with the coaches. He would, you know, argue with them in what we used to say would maybe be like a not positive way. 
maybe the locker room, well, I don't think most of the guys were bad dudes. It's just that it wasn't the right mix in terms of developing the kids the way they wanted to. They, I do think this mix is better. Yeah, they need like soft dad energy because yes. Tortorella is a hard ass. Yes. And so having these like Atkinson, they need some cool uncles. Exactly. Yep. Like like guys who can be like, all right, I know dad's an asshole, but listen. <laughs> but listen. You did really good last yeah. game. You know what I mean? Like that's what they need, and I think that's exactly what they're getting. Like I even think back to Sean Couturier. This isn't even somebody who plays the same position as him. There was a, a stretch, I believe it was in late November, where it was two straight games, Igor Zamola um, committed delay game penalties. Mm. And the practice after that, Sean Couturier went up to him and said, hey, I can see you're struggling with like trying to clear the puck in that situation and have it hit the glass rather than go straight out let me show you how i do it and he just took him aside and for like 10 minutes they worked at like backhand flips you know in the corner to get the puck out and that's the kind of thing where like having a guy like sean gatoria is so important where was it a big deal probably not but as zamola said hey i haven't had a delay game penalty since so (laughs) maybe it did help i just wanted to uh point out because you brought up jvr a minute ago has anyone looked at JVR's numbers. Oh, no. He's been pretty good this year, right? He's scoring goals at, like, the same rate he was last year, which was not awesome. Yeah. Uh, but his assist rate, he's at half an assist a game. He's <laughs> he's actually being, he's actually, like, playing some of the best hockey of his career, and they love him in Boston. He's also good on the third him. line. Right. Like, he's just, okay, here's, he's a nice Fabulous. offensive player yeah. who can play some, uh, some third line minutes. It's, we got to get to uh, the rest of our mailbag questions from yesterday. Yes. And, of course, we'll get to the ones we did. It'll be mailbag Wednesday by the time we finish this up. It's the running bit. But first, I got to tell you about FOCO, ladies and gentlemen. FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, or anything you need for game day, or maybe you're in the market for some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set. You've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show. For all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY10. That's PHLY10 for 10% off. Go to FOCO today. Ava actually just got me a... Uh, I collect lawn gnomes. Uh, something. Do you uh, really? I just. I love, did not know that. I love dumb stuff. Another like that. layer like, to I the want onion. People to look at my yard and be like, a crazy person lives here. <laughs> so, like, I have mission some, accomplished. She, yes, absolutely. <laughs> she got me this awesome Phillies lawn gnome for for our house, and okay. it's from Foco. It's really cool. Just like something we set up, uh, holiday decoration. I'm gonna keep up year round. Lawn gnomes, ladies Wonderful. and gentlemen. That's my new thing from Foco. Uh, love it. Yeah, so let's get to the uh, let's get to the mail bag questions now we have a lot left from yesterday it's actually it's nice that the flyers are playing well because we're not getting the same question 12 times like a lot of people have different questions whether you're like on team rebuild you're worried about the team right now looking towards the future so we got a lot of fun ones we're gonna lead it off with uh, a man named paul with the great car idea solid solid name. it's not bad yeah, uh, I lo- dig it. he says lots of dialogue surrounding what to do with the team at the deadline if we're still in it Danny said no buying but how would the locker room be affected should we choose to sell would they avoid selling because it could be bad for culture a la not selling Lawton last year it's a good question because I believe no matter what this team is doing you are not rebuilding if you don't trade Sean Walker the man is 29 years old you're going to get a first round pick for him he's a right handed defense like this is the type of dude, he doesn't make a ton of money. Teams can fit him in under the cap. Yep. Expiring contract. You trade Sean Walker if you're a rebuilding team. Also, the Flyers are second in the Metro Division right now. <laughs> They're playing really, really well. Yeah. And Sean Walker is a huge part of that. Yeah. Big part. Um, do you think they might just let him get to free agency because culture? No. I, I truly do not. I think it is yep. one or the other. Okay. I think he's either going to be re-signed or he's going to be traded at the deadline. I do not, not envision like a scenario where they – I don't think they are in position, and I think Briere knows this. I don't think they are in a position to view a player as essentially an own rental, which is kind of what you do if you keep a guy right. who you don't think you're going to re-sign. You view him as like, oh, we're just keeping our own rental and then – risking the possibility of losing it for nothing. I think the Flyers realize that they are not in position to do that. I actually straight up asked 
Danny oh. Breer that in part two of my interview with him oh. in Denver for diehard members only. So if you have not read that article because you're not a diehard member, hey, maybe check that out. We'd love to have you. However, I did straight up ask him that if this is a situation where it's either re-sign or trade or if there's other elements they can go. He basically said, look, we're looking at all options, but we haven't opened negotiations with Walker yet. He said, before we do anything, it's our job to figure out what it'll cost to keep him and if it makes sense or if there's something that makes more sense via trade or anything like that. It depends on where we're going to be at as a team, too. To me, look, obviously, he's playing the diplomatic GM role here where he's not really committing to any one thing. It's a little bit of a tell to me that they haven't opened negotiations up with him yet because, to me, if they were very, very serious about re-signing him, I feel like they would have already started talking contract. Okay. The fact that they haven't, it does lead me a little bit more in the direction of I think they are expecting to trade Sean Walker. I mean, that's good because as someone who's fully on the bandwagon and fully in on the make the playoffs thing, that is the one thing that worries me is that they're going to do the this team deserves to see what it can do in the playoffs if they make it. And if you're getting offers, like if you're getting a sick offer for that Sealer-Walker pair and you don't take it because of what they might do in the playoffs this year, like that's not good. The way I look at it too is that Walker in a lot of ways is essentially found money. I yeah, mean, yeah, you, yeah. he was thrown into that deal because the Flyers wanted some more D-depth. The fact that they lost Ivan Perovrall, they knew they didn't have a ton on the right side. So I'm sure they were fine with Walker being included. But it was because L.A. was trying to dump cap space. They were trying to open up enough space to sign Gavrikov. Yeah. And, and basically, they looked at it as, well, Walker doesn't have a place here anymore. Let's send him somewhere else. We're giving him away, essentially, for mm -hmm. nothing. Now, suddenly, Sean Walker went from being a zero-value asset into being a legitimate asset. To me, you have to take full yeah. advantage of that. And another thing that I'm, I'm viewing the Walker situation, the Walker asset as, the big thing we've been talking about all year, the big debate on social media in Flyers world is, is it good or bad that the Flyers are better than expected because they're going to have a higher draft pick than expected, a lower draft pick than expected, I guess, depending on which way you want to look at it. You know, instead of having the fifth overall pick, they might have the 15th overall pick. They already are going into the draft with two first-round picks. They have the fly, they have their own pick, they have the pick almost certainly that they're going to be getting from Florida. If they could theoretically turn Sean Walker, who I say I view as found money essentially, he is an asset that was zero value and now is legitimately high value. If you could find a way to turn him into a first-round pick, even if it's a late first-round pick, which it probably would be because those are the teams looking to buy the deadline, suddenly you have three first-round picks. Then I wonder if maybe you can use that Trade pick up. to turn, like, say, maybe do like a the 14th pick and the 28th pick and move up to like the eighth pick. Yep. And then maybe you have essentially solved your problem where you got all the benefits of having a more positive developmental environment mm -hmm. by being a better team than expected. And then you get the positive of drafting as if you're a legitimately bad team by using that found money asset to trade up into the latter half of the top 10 and maybe get that number one defense when they need so much. There was also something you brought up yesterday that I uh, I really started thinking about. Like, yeah, Sean Walker was thought of as a good player prior to getting hurt and kind of falling out of favor in L.A. Right. But I don't think anyone saw no this. One. No. Nobody no. believed no. this. This is, this is a different level even Travis, from where he was at in L.A. Travis yeah. Sanheim, I mean, nobody saw no. this. Uh, maybe Ron Hextall in 2014. But <laughs> I was going to say some nine. people yeah. were on a podcast yeah, Kelly, ages ago saying Travis Sanheim is better than Provorov. I'm just saying. He sure uh, looks better, better than, than Provorov. Pro <laughs> better than Provorov is still quite a different well, bar than what we've seen fair, out of him fair, fair, through yeah. the first 30 games of the season. <laughs> I'm just saying Travis Sanheim has reached a level I personally did not believe he had in him. Rasmus Ristolainen. They seem to have fixed, fixed him. him. Nick Sealer, a couple of years ago, was the guy we all pointed at, like, why the hell are they playing this dude? Like, really, this guy? And now it's, oh, yeah, he's a good second-pair defenseman on a team that might go to the playoffs. Maybe the Flyers are good at this. Yeah. And Sean Walker, you can find another Sean Walker. Yeah. And yeah. if you can't, his contract's up. Oh, just oh, sign first. Him. Yeah, you can go get him, him then. Right. You could, sure like, could. You could get the best of both worlds. Get two birds stoned at once, as Kelly likes to say. <laughs> I love that. All right. I, I do think there's an element there, and we talked about this a little bit on the show. It was yesterday, right, where yeah. we, we brought that up. I, probably. Right. Yeah. The, the one guy who I who I compare, and I'm 
I don't want to go this far yet because this guy has a much longer track record of basically turning lead into gold um, at his position than Bradshaw does on defense. But I look at Benoit Allaire, the goalie coach in New York, mm. where he just for like there was like a seven year period where they would get a goalie who has stunk for a while. They would put him with Benoit Allaire, let Allaire fix him, and then trade him for a high-quality asset yeah. while he was the backup behind Lundqvist because they weren't going to replace Lundqvist. Yeah, exactly. But that's what they would do. We can do that with defensemen. I do wonder if Bradshaw could be the Benoit Allaire yeah. of, uh, Seems of, like of it. rehabilitating defensemen and then trading them all for assets. Dude, there's nobody that thought we were going to fix Rasmus Ristolainen. No. No, no one thought we were going to do that. And he legitimately seems to be cured of his ailments. He definitely doesn't look like uh, he stinks anymore. No, which, it doesn't which, stink. Like, he went from being a net negative to like, oh, actually, yeah. At like, the very the, least, neutral. That last game they played, I said, that's playoff Risto. <laughs> like, if they yeah. get this out of him, then it's the joke has become reality. No, when yeah. you're watching guys, as you said, like Ristolainen, like Walker, like Sealer, all dramatically <laughs> improve relative to what we thought they I were. low opinions of all yeah. of them. Number one, it... it presents this possibility of maybe you could do this, you know, alchemy type thing where you turn bad defensemen to good defensemen and then trade them for assets. Number two, and arguably more importantly for the long term, especially if the Tortorella Bradshaw pairing sticks around for quite a while, it makes me feel better about the development of the young defensemen they do have. Because for example, if Zamola just doesn't get any better this year and just continues to be inconsistent and you know, a negative play driver by the numbers. Good. That just means he's not good. That It's not that the Flyers aren't giving him a shot. It's not yeah. that the Flyers don't have a good developmental staff. It's not like the Flyers don't have a good defensive coach trying to turn him into something. If the guy who could, who turned Rasmus versus the line into an actually good defenseman can't turn Jaeger Zamula into an actually good defenseman, Jaeger Zamula probably just isn't that good of a defenseman. Yeah. All right. Uh, See, so this is why this is why it takes us three days to get because that was one mailbag. Wow. Uh, so let's get to the next one. It's a two X Papa Rog. Okay. Asks, what specifically are you looking for out of any Flyers prospects at the World Juniors? And when we were going over this yesterday, I just said to Charlie, I have YouTube TV. I'm just looking to be able to watch it because uh, <laughs> NHL Network is not on YouTube TV. I, I have heard of VPNs. I do not know what they are or how to like use them. Uh, so I will send you. I have no idea how to actually watch link. World Juniors, but gotcha. I'm hoping I can because there's some guys who are playing. Unfortunately, Denver Barkey did not make Team Ew. Canada uh, because yeah. the dude from Boston, whose name I can't say because it's French, <laughs> Patra, Patra. Yeah, right. uh, he's he sure. got, he's getting sent, even mm-hmm. though uh, he's the Boston guy. Yeah, he he started the year really well for Boston, but recently he's hit a cold stretch. So they're like, listen, go dominate and uh, maybe get your mojo yeah. back and come back to us eventually. But unfortunately, no Denver so that's, Barky. That's Denver Barky's spot. But that there bonk? are a few Flyers prospects. Yeah, there's three. We, we have Cutter Gauthier, uh, Oliver Bonk, and then and Alex Chernick. Yes, yes, All he right. will be. Alex Chernick is the only one. There is a possibility he may not play, so he's in the process of getting over a concussion. So it all will boil down to whether he's cleared in time. However, my last understanding of where he was is that he was practicing um, with the Czech team in like a non-contact jersey. So he's there. He's he's okay. working with his teammates. It looks like he's on track to play, which will be cool because I'd really like yeah. to see him. I'd like to see what he can do. Or um, I think it's, it's Czech or Slovakia. It's Slovakia. So he's, he's part of the Slovakia the half, team. Yeah. So um, those are the three. Look. The big one is obviously Cutter Gauthier. He's the one that everybody's going to be paying attention to, not only because he's the biggest name, but also because he's going to be playing the biggest role. He is the first-line center on Team USA, a team that has absolute designs on winning the gold medal, and if they do well, it will most likely be because, in large part, Cutter Gauthier was one of the best players on their team. So he's the guy we're all going to be watching. I kind of just, I have a a real bad habit. I'm one of those people who watches the World Juniors and, like, forms way too many opinions about prospects. Ivan Provorov, Nick Duncan Keith. I know, I know. (laughs) It's it's burned me in the past. So with these three, I kind of don't feel like I have a ton of questions about what kind of players they are. So I just want them to go out there and have a good time and, like, not suck. That's... I have, like, I'm now going the other way, and I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter at all. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, being in a best-on-best, like, for matter. your age group, yeah. like, it does matter. And, yeah. like, for a guy like Oliver Bonk, like, Team Canada is a big deal. 
Yeah. Like, that is a big yeah. thing. The World Juniors is a part of their national identity. They are into like, it. Yeah, like, this is important to them. Yeah. So I don't want to downplay it, uh, but I'm listening to a Marek show yesterday, and he just says, like, just previewing World Juniors a little bit, and he goes... I believe the number one takeaway everyone is going to have when this tournament is over is that Cutter Gauthier is the, one of the best prospects in the NHL. Like anyone who doesn't know Cutter Gauthier will know him and then some when this right, tournament's see, over. And now I'm just like, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to like be really, all decked out in the USA gear. <laughs> like, I'm going to be looking like Gordon Bombay. I need to absorb this information, honestly, <laughs> yeah. because once again, Rebuilds don't have to take a decade. And we might not have to worry too much about these two guys that we have coming. I'm just looking at, so like, Detroit, they've had a bit of a bump now. But, like, Ottawa and Buffalo, the teams that, like, thought they were through it. Yeah, they stink. Who stunk forever, though? <laughs> so, like, why do we need to stink forever Buffalo, to be good? Buffalo had 10 straight top 10 picks. They're considerably worse than the Flyers. Yeah. Exactly. There's uh, not so one way to do it. Anything specific we're looking from the World Juniors? Just, don't suck. Yeah, just don't yeah. suck. I, I, I think represent I represent us. I, I think know? I would say with Gauthier, like, if he's really good, that's awesome, and that'll be a lot of fun for Flyers fans. If he's underwhelming or just okay, like, I don't think that's devastating. I think he's no, still no, no, we're a, all going to light our hair I think he's still a really good prospect. The thing I will be probably watching for the most when I watch his games is just how comfortable he looks in the middle. Because okay. to me, that's the big question is whether he can be a center, a center yeah. at the NHL level. I am of the opinion, I, there's a lot of people who think that, well, because he's a shoot-first goal scorer who isn't like an elite playmaker, that he will be better suited on the wing. And maybe he will be. But I do think that there are enough examples of shoot-first goal scorers succeeding in the middle. Austin Matthews is one. Steven Samkos is one. They're I'm even good. thinking back to Jeff Carter, who I think would be a legitimate comparable stylistically for Carter Gauthier once he makes it to the NHL. Carter's a lot of time in the middle during his NHL career, but I will be watching because I haven't had a chance to watch basically any of his games so far this year. I will be watching to see if he looks more comfortable in the middle this year versus how he looked when I saw him last year at Boston College when I watched him for a few games. I want to see just just a more natural feel. I want to see him look less like a winger who happens to be playing in the middle of the ice and more a guy who is using his line mates well. And yeah. I just, I'm not going to bury his chances of being an NHL center if he doesn't look like he was born to play center in this world junior. Obviously, people are getting used to different line mates. They're not playing on their usual team. There's other elements. There's system changes. So there's other things that play into this. However, I do want to see a comfort level for him at center to make me feel better about the possibility that he could be a legitimate 1C at the NHL level. Calling all card collectors, Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of your favorite card brands like Topps Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football, as well as t-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell & Ness, 47 Brand, Junk Food, Starter, and Shy Vintage Sports. If you're looking to maybe grade your own sports card collection, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family friendly events and birthday parties every month. Stop into either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester, open seven days a week at 11 a.m. and use code PHLY to get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in the store. And be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. Charlie and I talked about it yesterday, but now it's even later. It's December 19th. You ain't, only, getting any, you ain't getting anything mail order. Go to the store. You can do it right there at Wheelhouse. Get your discount, P-H-L-Y. What better? It's more fun to go shopping in person this yep. time of year. I know it's so convenient. You get the package on your porch. I like to be involved. Right. I, I was telling you before the show, I'm going to Best Buy today. Haven't been to a Best Buy in years, but I got to go pick up a TV, so we'll see how that goes. I'm scared for It's you. just more fun to be out and about, so go check out Wheelhouse. I bet you'll enjoy yourself. A uh, few more questions before we finish up here. Uh, where do we want to go? All right, let's go to... Uh, Let's go to Flyers Goose because I know how much Charlie loves talking <laughs> to our buddy Flyers Goose. I think it's Darian Thatcher. He calls himself. Oh, is he has yeah. a new name now? Okay. Um, do they have any plans to load manage Couturier and Atkinson? Seems like it would be smart to do that around some other breaks like Christmas and All-Star to maximize that rest. Couturier's playing a lot of time, and Atkinson looks completely gassed every other night. Facts. 
Um, Couturier's played 20-plus the last four games. That said, there is some talk today that maybe he's a little banged up. He had a maintenance day in practice the other day, did not participate. We have heard that maybe there was a call-up, but I don't know because I'm doing this right now. Um, do you think it would be a smart idea to load manage him? Do you think that's in the cards? I I do not think they're going to load manage Sean Couturier you or Cam Atkinson. It, in the sense of like the NBA where like they're going to sit him yeah, just yeah, to yeah, like right. I don't see that do I think that they should probably do a better job of limiting Couturier's ice time yeah I do I think they're maybe leaning on him a little bit much he's had a few maintenance days I do think there's an element here where they're just trying to get him to the Christmas break yeah um that said if he's banged up right now they know they have a back-to-back on Thursday and Friday maybe sit him out for this game so he can play um on Thursday and Friday maybe that's an option you know even if like if it was a playoff game he might have been able to play we'll see if that plays out with regards to Atkinson though I actually I don't see he basically just fires goose essentially says as if it's an understood thing that Agassin looks completely gassed every other night. I don't think Agassin looks gassed. He's just, I, he's just not, he, scoring. Yeah, he's not scoring. I mean, like yeah. the last two, three games, he's had three breakaways. Yeah. He just didn't bury them. Yeah. Like yeah. he broke away from the defense, got the shot off. It was just like, well, you didn't score. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's easy to say that, yeah, he might be gassed because he missed all of last year. He's an older guy. He's 34 going on 35. I don't see a guy who looks exhausted. He's I just see not the guy, player he used yeah, to Yeah, I see a guy who isn't as good as he used to be and also is in a slump. And goal scorers are streaky. And because he's 34, his bad streaks probably last longer than they did when he was 27. Yeah, I've been worried about Couturier since that weird Tom Wilson hit that happened in the Washington game. Mm-hmm. And so I would – I mean, we need him yes. to be good. Yes, And he's coming off missing an entire season because of back surgery. So maybe you do – give him a rest every now and again especially if he did get a little banged up at some point in one of yeah. these games there there are going to be five days so they don't after friday they have five days between games right. so he will have time he will absolutely have some time to recuperate then and that's like not even practices these are this is the legitimate off, off, holiday yeah. break that the nhl and nhlpa have negotiated so hopefully that will be enough but you still have to get through the next three games over the next four days and that's going to be interesting to see how they pull it off i am I'm definitely interested in some sort of load management with Couturier. I, I don't think he's going to get, you know, like games off. Like you're saying, like he's not going to be treated like Embiid or something. Right. But yes, right now they need him because like they have no centers. He's one of their best players. They also need him to be a 18 to 20 minute guy like three years from now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's tough to do. I'm not saying he can't. I'm not like a pessimistic because right now I'm looking at Sean Couturier and he looks a whole hell of a lot like the guy we saw pre-back surgeries. But we got to keep but, him like that. Yeah, he needs to be like pretty close to this good when Mishkov is here and this team is competing. So I wouldn't hate the idea of maybe a little bit of rest for Sean Couturier. Uh, this one, it just... Speaks to a lot of my interests from my guy TK for MVP, which I'm also pushing for. Uh, who's winning the Pelly Lindbergh trophy? Of course, that's the most improved trophy. I'd say right now it's Risto, but who knows? It could be Sandheim's by the end of the season. The three fur was looking. The three fur looks good. It was looking good before, but it's hard there, to argue against Risto. There are legitimate contenders of guys who've actually, like, I, I don't think Risto, it's Risto has gone from I, I don't think it's bad Risto. to good. The reason why I don't think it's Risto is Risto, this this improvement happened last year. That's fair. If he was going to get the, yeah. the Pelly, it would have been last year when he actually made the improvement. Like, yeah, we, he's coming off a really good game, which I think is why everyone's head is like, Risto That's is true. really good That's now. True. Yes, he's coming off a really good game. He also has one point in 10 games. Like, he's a legitimately decent defenseman, but this is exactly what he did last year. All this is is just proving that last year wasn't a fluke. So I don't think he's improved from last year. I just think he's proving that last year was real. Whereas Sandheim has dramatically improved from last year when he was barely playable. This is a player vote, right? Yes. You have to put it in people's head. Yeah, start playing the scene. The three-time most improved player is the absolute funniest thing that could ever happen. Yeah. Like, the only... So so here's here's the wild card. The wild card is, generally speaking, they give the, the players give these awards to players who have been on the team for a while and got better. Probably the most improved guy on the team is Sean Walker. 
the thing is, is that they didn't. Nobody knows. They him. didn't see him. Yeah. What, what about like, Sealer? From where he came up, Sealer is a possibility. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Top four defensemen. There's, there's actual candidates for this yeah. this year. But man, I want Sandheim so bad. It could happen. Uh, it would be funny. We're gonna close out today's show and this mailbag episode with a question from another one of my uh, one of my favorite names on Twitter. <laughs> F this nonsense. <laughs> What's wrong with the Senators? So and many I things. have I have one answer. It's one letter. G. No, <laughs> it's I obviously knew, I knew you were fault. gonna do it. There's obviously. something wrong with you. I, listen. It's fun. Right. I'm just saying, the guy Coach plays killer. on yeah. a lot of teams that fire their coaches. That's all. He makes bad choices. <laughs> yeah. Should have picked Colorado, bud. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Ryan wanted to go home. Uh, and now he's dealing with the consequences of her wanting to go home. I still remember I was watching an interview with him like this, or uh, maybe it was before he got before he actually even ended up in Ottawa, but it was like asking him, you know, his dream places to go. And he, he brings up Ottawa and everyone's like, what's the matter with you? Yeah. He's like, I'm from there. They're like, so, so like live there in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's, it, it, it's a shame it, what's yeah. going on there. Cause it, it, I do root for the guy. They but, were looking like they were going to turn it around. Yeah. yeah not it, so fast. I mean, I think if I had to give an actual answer, number one, I do think that they probably were legitimately in need of a coaching change. I think yeah. there's probably more you can get out of that roster that for whatever reason, DJ Smith was not getting out of. I do think though, they have legitimate roster flaws, namely, I think they believe their defense core was better than it was. I'm not saying it's bad, but I do think that maybe guys like Thomas Shabbat, guys like Jake Sanderson, they might, guys like Jake Chikrin, they might not be as good as the Ottawa Senators believe they yeah. were. And that has a trickle-down effect because especially with Chikrin and especially Shabbat, they are higher paid. They are, they make enough money that that has roster implications down the other the other side, which I think is leading to the fact that their forward depth beyond their top few guys, you know, the Brady Kachuk, the, the Stutzel, um, Drew, obviously, it's not that great. And I think yeah. they're just running into a situation where they thought the defense was better than it was going to be. It's not. Obviously, the goaltending is a, a serious question mark, and then they don't have the forward depth to overcome it. I think that's probably what's going on there. But maybe if they, you know, the new coach, they're bringing in a defensive legend here in, in Jacques Lemaire, right? Um, I, maybe he can fix it. We'll see. And it is, while, yes, Michael Anlauer, different owner, the Melnicks are finally out. Like, it is still very much a franchise in disarray. Yeah. Like the Shane Pinto thing, the... Uh, the sanctions from the trade that they're they should not have telling made. Yeah, like, they didn't tell Andalauer about any yeah, of this. Like, yeah, so, like all of it just kind of for the players is probably and the nonsense continues. Yeah. All right. Jacques, well, Jacques Martin, my bad. Yes, my, Jacques, okay. Jacques Martin. And yeah. that will do it for us. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. And a huge thank you to our presenting sponsor, Bagels and Co. Bagels and Company. Absolutely the best, biggest. And most delicious-looking uh, Brooklyn-style bagels in Philadelphia. Make sure you check them out. All right. Uh, make sure you're following us everywhere. You right here on the YouTube page so you never miss a live show. On Twitter, at PHLY underscore sports. And, uh, oh, yeah, find the podcast, PHLY Flyers. All right. My name is Bill Matz. For Charlie, for Kelly, have a great week, Philly. We all silly like the mayor. 